Good morning. How are we doing today? Happy New Year. How many of you think it's cold outside? I told somebody it was chilly. They said, no, it's cold. But it's warm in here. Thank you, Matt, for leading us in worship. And thank you for being here today. We're always glad to have guests with us today. Thank you for coming. If you're a guest today, it's an honor to have you with us. And if you don't have a church home and you live in this area, we'd love to have you back all the time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and for your word. Thank you for the time to worship through music and now to hear, Lord, from the word of God. Bless this time together and call us to yourself and move in our lives as only you can. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thrive. How many of you want to thrive in 2018? All right? Not talking about surviving. I'm talking about thriving. Years ago, there was a popular television show that came out. Many of you may remember it. It was called Survivor. How many of you remember that show? All right, a lot of you do. Well, a lot of churches, it seems, uh, took off on that theme, and they decorated their stages, and they prepared sermon series based on that theme, Survivor. But as I look at the Word of God, I don't believe that God has called us to simply be survivors. I believe he wants us to be thrivers. You see, as I read the scriptures, I see verses like Romans 8.37 that says, you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ your Lord. Do you believe that? I see verses like 1 John 4.4 that says, greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? I see verses like 1 John 5, 4 that says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Do you believe that? I see verses like Ephesians 3, 20 that says, you serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than all you could ask or think or even imagine. Isn't that incredible? I don't believe that God has called you simply to survive in 2018. I believe God has called you to thrive. That does not mean that you're going to have lots of money in the bank. That does not mean that you're not going to have any issues. That does not mean you're not going to have any problems. That does not mean that life's going to be super easy because you're trusting in Jesus Christ and you're following his plan for your life. Now, sometimes God may lead you smack dab into the middle of the trial. And sometimes following Jesus Christ does not give you an exemption notice from the troubles of this life. But in the middle of it all, God says, I will be there with you. And he says, I will supply your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you may or may not have more money. You may or may not have better health. You may or may not be more popular with other people, but if you will follow Jesus Christ in 2018, I believe you will thrive in your relationship with him. And that's what it's all about. Amen? For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about thriving. Today, we're going to talk about thriving in your relationship with God. 
Next week, we're going to talk about thriving in your relationship with others. And then the third week, we're going to talk about thriving as a witness in this world. Today, we're going to work on the foundation, thriving in relationship with God. And we're going to go all the way back in the Old Testament to a book by the name of Deuteronomy. Say the word Deuteronomy with me. Now, spell it. Close your eyes and spell it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Starts with a C. Okay. (coughs) Not right. All right. Well, Deuteronomy was a book that includes the words of Moses as a challenge to the people of Israel. Many of you may know that Moses was one of the great leaders of all time. And one day, before he was a great leader, God sent Moses down to this very powerful country called Egypt because the Israelites, perhaps up to three million of them, were there working as slaves for the Egyptians, and they cried out to God to be delivered. And so God sends Moses down to Egypt to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt and lead them across this desert wilderness up to the promised land. And so the Israelites uh, finally get out of Egypt after God sends plague after plague after plague. They walk through the wilderness. They get up to the doorstep of the promised land, but they don't get in just yet. We'll get to that later. But after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because they refused to go in, they're at the doorstep of the promised land again. Moses is about to step off of the scene as the leader. Joshua, a younger man, is going to take his place. But before Moses steps off the scene. He gives this charge to the people of Israel, and we find the heart of it here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Crossing the Jordan River meant moving into the promised land. Milk and honey, abundance, clusters of grapes so large it took two men to carry them. Can you imagine? Clusters of grapes so large it took two men to carry them on a pole. Wouldn't that be incredible? The promised land was an amazing place. And God's people were getting ready to move in. But God was not primarily interested in a physical presence. God was interested in a personal relationship. We too are blessed to live in a land of abundance. No, America is not the promised land, but it is a place of abundance, is it not? We have an abundance of food, do we not? Just check us out, right? We have an abundance of material possessions, do we not? Most of us have a roof over our heads. Most of us have cars or vans or SUVs, some type of vehicle to drive. Most of us have lots and lots and lots of clothes. How many of you have more clothes in your closet than you know what to do with? Some of those clothes you hadn't worn in years. Some of them you shouldn't wear for a long time, okay? Some of them you don't wear because they don't fit you anymore, right? I fit into that category. Actually, I don't fit into it. That's the problem. Okay. Anyway, we have an abundance of stuff. 
have an abundance of gadgets, do we not? How many of you have a phone? How many have a smartphone? How many have a phone that's smarter than you are? All right. Anybody here have a tablet? Ten years ago, people probably didn't know what a tablet was. They have computers. We have televisions. We have all kinds of material possessions. We are very blessed with material stuff. But God isn't nearly so concerned with your physical comfort as he is in your spiritual welfare. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, here in verse 1, Moses tells the people what they're supposed to do. And in verse 2, he tells them, here's why they need to do it. So that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Newsflash. God is not out to make life miserable for you. I know some of you may think that. That's not the truth. God's not like, hey, I just noticed you're having way too much fun down there. We're going to put a stop to that now. God is a joy giver. Say joy with me. Joy. God is a joy giver, not a joy destroyer. Did you catch the reason why God was giving these commands to his people? Was it to make life miserable? No. Check out the last part of verse 2 again. Here's the reason. So that you may enjoy long life. Three good words here. Say the word enjoy with me. Enjoy. Say it with a smile on your face. Enjoy. Say long with me. Long. Say life with me. Life. Okay? Now that does not mean that every moment of your life is going to be enjoyable. Life is not one big party. I just spent last week with my mom in the nursing home. Believe me, she's not enjoying it. She's paralyzed and she can't get up even to go to the bathroom, even sometimes get herself situated in the bed. She has to have somebody come and help her. That's not very enjoyable. God never says, follow me and you will have an easy life. But God does say, if you will follow me, I will give you power for living. God does not say, follow me, and you'll never have a headache or a heartache. But God says, if you follow me, I will be there with you in the middle of them. In every circumstance you may face, in every issue you may have to deal with, in every challenge that comes before you, God says, I will not abandon you. I will be there with you. You. I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. I won't desert you. I'll be there with you and I will supply your need. I give you peace. The Bible says it passes all understanding. I'll give you joy, real joy, not based on circumstances, but based upon God and upon His Word and upon His provision that is unspeakable and full of glory. The world cannot give that to you. Praise God, the world can't take it away. Go to verse 3. Hear, O Israel, Moses continues, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. Again, following God doesn't mean life will always be easy for you. I cannot guarantee you 
that if you follow Jesus Christ with all of your heart in 2018, you will have less problems than you did in 2017. Oh, how I wish I could. I'd sign up for that. How about you? Fewer problems next year. Anybody with me? Less headaches, less heartaches, more money in the bank, less issues, less problems. If I could guarantee you that, and you really believe that, and the world really believe that, guess what? We couldn't hold enough services to hold all the people, right? But God doesn't say, follow me, and you get an exemption notice from all the trials of this life. God does say, you follow me, and I'll be with you, smack dab in the middle of them, and I will supply your need. Verse 3 continues. That you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. The nation of Israel wasn't in the promised land yet, but one day they would be. Truth be told, they got in the promised land about 40 years late. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, Moses had led the people of Israel up to the doorstep of the promised land. But when they got to the doorstep of the promised land, they decided, we can't go in. There's too many giants over there. There's too many people over there who are powerful than we are. And if we try to go into the promised land, they will destroy us. We can't go. And so because they refused to obey God and listen to Moses, their leader, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years until they finally died off and their children would be the ones who would go into the promised land. Sometimes we miss out on God's best for our lives because we refuse to trust in God and follow him wherever he leads. Some of you may hear that and say, Kevin, what if I blew it? What if I failed? What if I had opportunities that I didn't take advantage of? What am I going to do now? Let me encourage you to start where you are. I love the story of the little boy. So I'm playing baseball with his team, and a, a dad drove up to the Little League Park and got there late. He was coming off of work, and he got to the game a little late. And when he shows up at the ballpark, he walks over to the dugout. He's standing in the back of the dugout, and the team is running off the field back to the dugout. And the dad doesn't really know what's happened so far in the game. So he says, hey, what's the score? One little boy smiles at dad, looks up and says, we're losing 13 to nothing. And the dad looks at the little boy and says, oh, son, you certainly don't look discouraged. Little boy says, sir, we hadn't come to bat yet. Let me tell you something. It might just be in your life God hadn't come to bat yet. How many believe you serve a God who's able to do more than you can ask or think or even imagine? Even if you've made mistakes, even if you've blown it big time, even if you didn't follow God's plan for your life early on in life. Remember the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was arch enemy number one. One day he was 
on this road headed toward a town called Damascus in order to persecute Christians. And Jesus Christ stopped him and got his attention. And the Apostle Paul became a follower of Jesus Christ. But rather than wallow in the past mistakes that he had made as he rebelled against God and against the church, you know what he said? Philippians 3.13, he says, I am forgetting those things which are behind me, and I am reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Let me challenge you. Let me encourage you wherever you may be in this life to forget about those things that are behind. You cannot change the past anyway. And you strain forward with all of your might toward Jesus Christ and everything that he has ahead. Let 2018 be a launching pad for you in your life. You cannot change the past, but you can, by God's grace, change your future. The next couple of verses are two of the most important in all the Old Testament. What John 3.16 is to Christianity, Deuteronomy 6.4 and 5 is to Judaism. They're known as the Shema. They were the first words committed to memory by many Jewish children. They were attached to Jewish doorposts, and some of the Jews even put them in Scripture boxes called phylacteries that they wore on their wrists and foreheads. Aren't you glad we don't do that today? Can you imagine how weird that would look if people came into church today with these scripture boxes tied around their head and they got their memory verses up here? Hey, can you tell me what Ephesians 3.20 is? Well, let me see. Let me check it out. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, we sir. Okay, I got it. Okay. Can you imagine how weird you would look if you wore one of those to work? You think people make fun of you now. Just think what that would look like. Well, back in that day, a lot of Jews wore these scripture boxes around their heads and on their foreheads as a reminder of the importance of God's word. And this Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 was the central command, the primary creed, the summary statement of the Jewish faith. When Jesus himself was asked at some 1,400 years later what the most important commandment was, he referred to this scripture. Let's read it together in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He alone is to be worshipped. He alone is to be praised above all. He alone is God. There are no other gods besides him. Verse 5. Love the Lord your God, Moses continues, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We're going to take a straw poll of the room today and ask, how many of you love God? Everybody would probably say, yeah, sure, I love God. And you probably do. If you're a Christian, you love God. You love Jesus Christ. That's what being a Christian is. You love Jesus and you follow him. There's a word here in verse 5, however, that I believe gives us a problem. That is the word all. Say the word all with me. All. Say, we say we love God with all of our heart. But do we really? Think about it. How much time do you spend watching television? How much time do you spend on your cell phone? How much time do you spend on your tablet? How much time do you spend doing whatever hobby you enjoy doing? 
And how much time do you spend in the Word of God? How much time do you spend thinking about Jesus Christ? How much time do you spend focused upon Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Dare I say that almost all of us spend a whole lot more time on the other things than we do on the things of the Lord. Our relationship with God is to be with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Is that true for you? Moses continues in verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. This love relationship with God is to be passionate, not passive. Question, how would you describe your relationship with God? Is it passionate or is it passive? What's your love relationship like with Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus doesn't want to simply be a sliver of the pie. He wants to be the whole pie. Let me ask you a question. Answer out loud, if you will. Tell me your favorite pie. Tell me your favorite pie. I didn't hear any of it. Go ahead. Say it again. Not all at one time, maybe. Worked better in the first service. Somebody tell me a favorite. Pumpkin, coconut cream, chocolate meringue, pecan, pecan. How do you say that? All right. Well, let's just talk about that for a moment. God doesn't simply want to be a sliver of the pie. God wants to be the coconut cream in the coconut cream pie. Does that make sense? One of my favorite pies is cherry pie. God doesn't simply want to be a slice of the cherry pie. God wants to be the cherries in the pie. You see, God does not say, here's what you really need to do if you follow me. Go to church on Sunday. That's very important. But he doesn't just say do that. He says, let me fill all of your life with myself. So when you go to work, you're thinking about God. When you go to school, you're thinking about Jesus Christ. When you're doing whatever you're doing, you're thinking about the Lord and the things of the Lord and how can I be a witness for Christ and how can I honor him and thanking God for his goodness to you. So when you're riding horses out there, Sean, you're thinking about Jesus Christ. Okay, I hope I don't fall off this horse. You know, okay, this is going to be great. When you fall off the horse, it's like, okay, thank you, Lord, I didn't get killed, right? Okay. Whatever we're doing, we're thinking about the Lord. How many of you have ever been in love? If you're married, this is a great time to raise your hand. <laughs> right? I'm winking at my wife. I haven't seen the hand up yet. I got my hand up. Remember when you first fell in love? That did not mean that you spend every moment of the day with that person. You might not even, like Daniel, be in the same country with one another. But you're thinking about her, aren't you? You're thinking about him, aren't you? Following Jesus Christ and keeping him in the center of our lives does not mean that 24 hours a day we're walking around reading the Bible, okay? That could be dangerous, okay? Instead of don't text and drive, be don't read and drive, right? Okay. But what it does mean is we take time every day to spend in God's Word and to pray. And then when we get done reading God's Word and praying in that moment, we continue to think about God. It's not like, okay, my quiet time's over. Now I can do what I want to do. No, I'm thinking about God. Whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm thinking, wherever I am, 
I'm thinking about God. I'm thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the center of my life. Your relationship with Jesus Christ should be passionate, not passive. It must be personal, not superficial. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Did you get that? A lot of us spend way too much time worrying about what other people are doing and not nearly enough time checking out our own personal relationship with God to see how we are doing. Many years ago, I heard about a newspaper delivery boy who anonymously called his boss and asked, are you looking for a paper delivery boy? And the owner of the paper on the other end didn't know who it was and said, no, I got a paper delivery boy already. Little boy said, well, is he doing a good job for you? And the owner of the paper said, yes, he's the best newspaper delivery boy I ever had. About that time, the owner of the paper began to catch on and said, this sounds a lot like the paper delivery boy I already have. He says, hey, son, do you happen to be the the paper delivery boy that I have already? And the young man says, well, yes, sir, I am. Then why are you calling me to ask me for a job? And the boy says back to the owner of the paper, says, I'm not asking you for a job. I'm just checking up on myself to see how I'm doing. Sometimes we need to check up on ourselves and say, God, how am I doing? God, search me. God, know me. God, try me. God, cleanse me. God, show me areas of my life that you would like to change because I want to fall more deeply in love with you. Now, if you're a parent, It's not enough just to check on yourself. You're responsible for teaching your children. That's the whole point of the next three verses where Moses tells the Israelites to impress this teaching on your children. Question, what kind of impression are you making on your children? What kind would you like to make? If you could pick one thing that you would like for your children to remember you for, what would it be? Boy, my dad sure could hit a golf ball. Or he sure could make some money. Man, he loved to fish. Nothing wrong with those things, but I don't think anybody's going to put that on their gravestone. What do you want to be remembered for by your children? Oh, my mom, boy, she sure could cook. She sure could clean house. There's nothing wrong with those things. Those are all good things. But what do you want to be remembered for? I love the story of Harmon Killebrew, the famous baseball player of another earlier decade. How many of you old enough to remember Harmon Killebrew? Ted, yeah, some of you guys remember him. Harmon Killebrew, got that, Terry? was out playing baseball with his dad and his three brothers one day when he was just a child. And a neighbor walked by and saw the dad, these four boys, just tearing it up out in the front yard. And he says to the dad, you're never going to be able to grow any grass in your yard if you keep playing out there with your boys. Harmon Killebrew's dad said this, I'm not raising grass, sir, I'm raising boys. Let me tell you something. You're not just doing stuff. 
If you're a parent and you have children at home, you are raising children, hopefully, for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. As a parent, nothing is more important than the spiritual investment you put into the lives of your children. Yet the famous preacher Charles Stanley was probably right when he said, the average American father spends more time watching light beer commercials on television than he does giving religious training to his children. But that was not God's plan. Look at verse 7 as Moses continues. Impress these God-fearing biblical principles on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now I could just hear one of those Old Testament Israelites mumbling to himself if he so dared. I thought that's what we do on the Sabbath days. You mean we have to do this every day, all the time? Listen, you can't limit your teaching to your child, to church on Sunday. This is every day. Everywhere you are and everywhere you go, parents, if you have children in your home, they're watching you. You're investing your life in them, and you have teachable moments all the time that you've got to take advantage of for the honor and glory of God. As if that were not enough, Moses continues in verse 8. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. That's those scripture boxes we're talking about. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you see the priority? Does the word saturation come to mind anywhere? Think about it. We send our children to public school for 30-something hours per week. And on top of that, they have homework. The church has them for maybe three hours per week, and very seldom do they have homework. And after the kids get home from school, they got to have some chill time. After about five hours on their phones and video devices, we do well to get in a 30-second prayer time before bedtime. I'm not knocking education. I spent 17 years attending public school, another eight years in the cemetery. I mean the seminary. <coughs> Excuse me. You understand. Education is great. But you can have all the degrees in the world and miss the most important thing in all of life. Here's the question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Not have you simply joined a church. Not have you simply been baptized in water or prayed a prayer that didn't mean very much to you. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that has changed your life? Do you know Christ as your Savior and Lord? If you don't, I plead with you to nail that down even now. Before you leave today, know that you know Christ as Lord and Savior. Question number two, are you growing in your relationship with him? You see, just because you've been a Christian for five years or 10 years or 25 years or 50 years or longer doesn't mean that you're really mature in your faith. Being mature in your faith is something that you must deliberately seek to do. To seek to read and understand God's word, to, to seek to serve and to, to live for Jesus Christ, to seek to be in fellowship with other Christians, that you might grow in your faith. Here's a third question. Do you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? I believe you can. 
but it will not be automatic. At Northside Baptist Church, we offer a lot of opportunities. Not only do we have worship services, but we have Sunday school, Bible study, where we study God's Word together. If you have children, we have something called the Wannas that meets on Wednesday nights where they memorize God's Word. We have youth group activities and opportunities. We even have a high school seminary. We have classes that are going to be meeting on Sunday nights, awakening, opportunities to grow in your prayer life, parenting classes to help you grow as a parent in Jesus Christ. We have lots of opportunities, but just because we offer opportunities does not mean that you're going to grow in your faith. You have to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. During 2018, I challenge you to spend time in worship both publicly and privately. And to keep God in the center of your thoughts while you're at school or at work or at home, whatever you're doing. You might try, listen to some Christian music to keep your mind thinking about the things of God throughout the day. I also want to challenge you to read God's Word. We've even put a Bible reading plan here in your bulletin today. This is a very easy thing to do. It takes less than five minutes a day. Now, that doesn't mean it's a race. Okay, I got mine done in two minutes. How long did it take you, John? Oh, four and a half. Okay, you need to speed it up. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But I did a little experiment, and you can, you can read the New Testament and, and Psalms through in one year, in five minutes a day, very easily. And as you're reading it, let God speak to you and, and think about the Word of God. And many of these psalms and other scriptures can be prayed back to God. Let me encourage you, whether it's this plan or another plan, to take time in the Word of God, to feed on God's Word, and to grow in your relationship with Him, and to be a person of prayer. And as you trust in God, as you follow God, as you serve God and obey God, he will cause you to grow in your faith. That doesn't mean you won't have any problems. That doesn't mean that 2018 is going to be a bed of roses. But what it does mean is that you can grow in your walk with Jesus Christ no matter what you face. He'll be there with you. He'll supply your need. He'll take care of you. And he'll give you peace and joy that the world cannot give.